First thing to say, I love the sea. It's my absolute passion. I'm sitting here watching the tide coming in and it fascinates me. It brings me joy to my life and actually the kind of seas I really like, I wouldn't get in them, are kind of February storms in North Cornwall. You know, watching the waves, the power of it, I just find the whole thing mesmerising. Hello, I'm Louise Minchin. I'm a former presenter of BBC Breakfast and most of all right now, I'm a passionate open water swimmer. I think my relationship started when I was born. I was born in Hong Kong and I don't remember being there, but I lived there till I was about four and a half. Um, but I did learn to swim very, very young um, in the water there, which was presumably lovely and warm. And the joke in my family is that I could sort of swim before I could walk. So swimming's always been in my life. I've always loved it and I continue to love it and, and have never stopped. You know, I've always swum and whenever there's a pool or the sea or whatever it is, it's just, it's one of my biggest passions in life is to get in and swim. The most recent thing I've done swimming is I've just swum from Alcatraz. So I've gone from normal swimming like most people try, I guess, in swimming pools to doing what I would call open water adventure swimming. And the first thing to say about that is safety is number one because you don't jump off a ferry near Alcatraz and try and attempt swimming across those straits with very fast tides unless you're with a massive safety team. So I went, um, came back from Hong Kong and then I started swimming um, here in Reading actually. I used to swim near there in a place called Wokingham and in, went to lessons. I didn't have, I didn't, I never had a lesson to learn to swim. My dad taught me how to swim. Um, actually, and I didn't even have lessons then. I just went straight into swimming races, and I remember very clearly because I loved it. was was okay. was quite fast. My first race that I did, I came in the top three, and it was breaststroke. But I got disqualified because I, they, my kick was actually an illegal kick. But of course, I'd never had a lesson, so I didn't know. I was absolutely mortified. Anyway, went and sort of cured my illegal kick. I think I didn't. I have no idea what I was doing. And swam competitively for a long time till I was about 15. And again, just loved the competition, loved being in the water, loved every single stroke. Um, I used to swim for the school, for my school. I never kind of did it beyond that because I think what happened was I got, I was, I was good and I really loved it. But when I was about 15, and this is my kind of one of my biggest regrets in, of my life actually, is I realised I used to swim every single day, every day. And this is a point in your life when you're doing your important exams and you know I really needed it kind of physically and mentally but I didn't realize and I looked in the mirror and I could see that I'd got really muscly shoulders and I was like oh I'm not sure I like those and I know why it is it's because of the swimming and I genuinely stopped swimming from one day swimming competitively for one day to the next and I just wish I hadn't because you know it was such a a special thing to me and it was my time when I wasn't being worrying about other stuff or family stuff or you know, exam stuff or academic stuff. And it, all my message to everybody would be, if you've, you know, swimming is a really beautiful thing for your mind and to give it up at that stage was absolutely the wrong thing to do. And I'm so glad I've come back to it later in life. I never stopped swimming in Cornwall or when I go to the sea and go and surf, but I didn't stop swimming. I just stopped kind of using it as that crutch, which I'd had for years. So it's back and I absolutely love it and I swim every week now and mostly open water swimming, that's what I really like. So in 2012, obviously I'd spent, probably like most people listening to this podcast, most of my summer watching the Olympics and I absolutely loved it, I was obsessed by it. 
A friend of mine, a uh, producer friend, said, right, we want to do a Christmas challenge for BBC Breakfast. What, have you got any ideas? And they'd done sort of cooking challenges before and I thought that was a bit sort of pedestrian and, you know, we could do something a bit more adventurous. So I said, well, why don't we do something inspired by the Olympics? You know, we've all, that's what we've all done all summer. Let's do that. Anyway, she came up with a brilliant idea, which was we'll, we were going to go to a velodrome, we were going to cycle against each other um, on racing bikes in the velodrome with a crowd of 4,000 people. And I was, <laughs> when she said that, I was like, why did I give her that idea? Why? Because that is, I'd never been to a velodrome. I'd never sat on a racing bike. So you know, the learning curve was so steep, it was ridiculous. Um, anyway, the four of us, uh, Bill Turnbull, Susanna Reid, myself, and Charlie State, went in and that first, we had one hour's training and every, anybody who's familiar with the velodrome will know that that's pretty, pretty steep learning curve, as I said. Um, I got on the bike, um, I went around the first time, because there's no brakes, there's no gears, you, 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 if you stop, it's, it, the wheel, your, your feet keep turning, absolutely mad. So went around the first time, screamed because I was terrified. Susanna cried for the whole hour. I think she managed one, she managed one lap. I've talked about it so many times since. And then we went for race day, which was the next day or something. And Bill said, I overheard him saying, because Bill and Susanna's time were going to be added together and mine and Charlie's were going to be added together. And so it was the team time, whoever got the fastest team time was going to win. Charlie went so fast. It was uh, absolutely staggering to watch him. Uh, Bill did a really good time and Susanna just got around. So all I needed to do was kind of like not fall off my bike and we were going to win. But I heard Bill say, I can't be beaten by a girl. And I just thought, let, you know, either I play the safe or I go and beat Bill. Anyway, I didn't play it safe. I absolutely put my foot down, went as hard as I possibly could and beat him by half a second. And it changed my life because I went over that finishing line. And I was like, oh my gosh, I hadn't raced since I told you, you know, I was 15 and given up swimming. I had never done any kind of race between that and I think I was like 44 or 45. And I just thought, wow, this is incredible. I want to race again, but I didn't even know what I wanted to do. Bought myself a racing bike the next week. And then, and again, another friend, she said, oh, I've seen you running, I've seen you cycling. Why don't you try a triathlon? And I was like, oh, triathlon, mm, gosh, that rings a bell. Don't we have some brothers who are really good at it, the Brownleys? And I didn't even know the order the sports went. So it is, of course, swimming, cycling, running. And I did my first triathlon in 2013. And apart from the panic and, and the swim, absolutely loved it and once I'd worked out why I'd had a panic in the swim because I couldn't see anything um, took it up with a vengeance and just went on this sort of extraordinary journey which ended up with me it didn't end up actually because I'm still sort of on that journey actually but uh, the the beginning pinnacle of that journey was not the first track was doing that first triathlon and then qualifying in my age group to represent the GB team in world and European championships. I have raised money for the RNLI in the past because some friends of mine were in a very terrible uh, boating accident in Padstow. My daughter's friend, she was in the same class, Emily died in that accident, um, as did her father. So it had a huge impact on so many people and so much so that we did a big bike ride from Padstow, where the accident happened, all the way back to Cornwall. We did it, it, gosh, it's a very long time ago now. It must be about 2015. A hundred of us 
got on our bikes um, to raise money for the RNLI, also for the air ambulance as well. And we cycled that 500 kilometres and raised... I mean, people were incredibly generous, incredibly generous, but I think that story just touched people's hearts and, you know, so, certainly touched my life and so many people's lives. It was shocking. And and the point about that is that, you know, there were people from the RNLI on the scene as well very shortly after it happened. So, you know, it was, it was horrific what happened um, and it possibly could have been worse. So if it wasn't for, you know, again, people who'd gone out and out of the goodness of their hearts help save them um anyway so we cycled from padstow to, to london i was at the time a terrible terrible cyclist it was the it was the hardest thing i've ever done <laughs> on the first hill out of sort of harlan where we left <laughs> i nearly gave up uh, i think the second day was 140 miles i mean honestly it was absolutely horrendous but we did raise um a huge amount of money and you know thanks to all those people who donated and it continues to donate for the air and their because um you know they do incredible work and without support you know that work wouldn't continue So right now I'm sitting in the RNLI college and yesterday I took part in a sea survival course and they put me in the survival tank and I, you've probably seen it on the telly but it's like a big deep and it looks really cold swimming pool where they can make waves and they can have thunder and they can have lightning. We didn't have thunder and lightning yesterday but what they, what they did was and it was really, I learned so much from it is we got dressed as if we were on a fishing, fishing boat um, in you know boots, uh, under underclothes, uh, enormous great big kind of oil skins over the top and then we jumped in into the waves with all of that because presumably if you, you know, you're on a fishing boat or you could just be out on a sailing boat perhaps not wearing so many things, maybe not wearing your Wellington boots and to see how it felt. And so I went in and very quickly, well, first of all, the, what surprised me, I didn't go straight to the bottom because actually in your clothes you've got sort of air pockets and stuff. So that was good. That was really good because I would have been really scared. So I floated for a bit, but very quickly um, your boots fill up or my clothes filled up and I was trying to tread water. Um, you can't, I mean, I could hardly move, Could certainly couldn't swim with all those all those clothes on and very quickly got very, very tired, very tired. But I was all the time being watched out I watched by a safety team and a lovely lifeguard who eventually <laughs> got me out of it. So that was without a, a life jacket. And then we did it again with a life jacket, which immediately I jumped in the water and it immediately inflated. And, you know, you realise very quickly that the your chances of survival without a life jacket as opposed to with a life jacket in big waves or any or any water. I mean, because it, it wasn't very cold yesterday, but it could have been very cold, are dramatically changed. And the most important thing I learned about it is I never, ever want that to happen in real life. I do not want to fall into water in the middle of the sea wearing all my clothes. I mean, wearing, I mean without clothes as well, um, because, you know, very quickly you get very tired. What was really striking about here is there's a real sense of camaraderie. Um, which has been uh, lovely to see and also again the scale of it was surrounded by I can see at least three different well actually probably about 10 different life-saving boats slash rafts here um, and I yeah the scale of the the scale of the charity is huge and then the other thing I'd sat and chatted to um, some of the people who worked for it last night is camaraderie but also what 
what people do is courageous, you know, it's really something to go out there in raging seas because someone's in trouble. They're courageous um, and they're brave and they're putting their lives on the line for other people. So, yeah, it's a really inspiring place to be. Hello, it's Mark Pusey here. I'm crew at Chiswick on the Thames. If you want to hear more stories from the RNLI's 200 Voices collection, then head to rnli.org slash 200 voices, or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. 200 Voices is produced for the RNLI by Adventurous Audio Limited.